Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe something has come up in your Bible reading that you have questions about or that you'd like more information on or a little help understanding. We'd love to talk with you about that. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text number is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome all of those of you listening in Colorado and in southern Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to say hello to everybody who's tuning in on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that our show is being syndicated over on the East Coast, and we get uh, calls and texts, emails from so many of you listening in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and into Maryland. And uh, we are also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. And uh, we'd love to hear more from you guys. By the way, if you're listening on Truth FM, I'd love for you to give me a call. I haven't gotten a ton of calls from Truth FM listeners, and we'd just love to hear from you and have you represented. Just a quick note to those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee that you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in. And so what you can do is you can call in, and then you'll be able to go back in a week and listen to yourself on the radio one week from now. So it's a cool opportunity. But just a heads up that those of you listening on the East Coast are hearing the show um, on a one-week delay. But those of you here in Colorado and Wyoming, you're hearing the show live. Also want to give a big hello to everybody who listens online. We know there's so many of you who tune in via the mobile app. And by the way, if you don't have that app for your Android or iPhone uh, mobile device, um, go and get it. Just go to your App Store or Google Play Store and just type in Calvary, or sorry, Grace FM. You're going to type in Grace FM in the search bar, and then it's going to come right up, and you can download that app on your, your phone or your tablet, and you can listen uh, to the, this show and every other show on Grace FM live uh, wherever you are in the world. So it's an awesome thing, and it's totally free, and we'd love for you to put that on your phone and then use it when, when uh, available. Also, uh, we want to remind you that you can always tune in live um, through the website. So you can just go to gracefm.com, and you can click that button right there that says, listen now. So uh, welcome to those of you who are tuning in, not just over the airwaves, but uh, through the Internet. We're glad that you're with us today. The number to call, once again, 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a reminder that uh, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm your host here every Monday on Calvary Live, and every now and then I fill in on some other dates. I was just with you this past Friday. Uh, just a bit about myself. Again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. We're a church here in that meets in downtown Longmont, uh, here in 
Boulder County, Colorado, and we are a church that loves Jesus, and we love to study the Bible. We love to study it uh, through entire books of the Bible. We just finished up Romans uh, just recently. We were just talking about it today in our staff meeting. It's 2024 messages, I think, that we took to go through Romans. Just a really great study. And currently, right now, we are doing a study for the season of Advent called Joy to the World. And so we'd love to have you join us if you are in the Longmont area or in any of the surrounding towns, you know, whether it's Lyons or Berthoud, uh, Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, that Carbon Valley area, or Erie, Lafayette, uh, Niwot. We'd love for you to join us. Or if you have friends or family who live in this area, send them our way. We'd love to minister to them and have them be part of the things that God is doing at Whitefields. Just some really great, exciting times, and God is working in our church, and we're excited about it, and we'd love for uh, you to be a part of it. Uh, you can check us out online. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Grace FM. So every weekday at 2.30 and then Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And uh, on Sunday mornings we meet in downtown Longmont, just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue uh, at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So just the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman, which is the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is um, our city park here in Longmont. So we're right in the heart of the city, and we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing. So just uh, come check us out. You can find directions, <clears throat> listen to some of our past messages on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Again, like I said this past Sunday, as we're waiting for those calls to come in, let me give you that number one more time. Uh, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Uh, this past Sunday, we began our Advent series, which is called Joy to the World. And we are looking at how the gospel brings an unshakable joy into our lives. And the text we looked at this past Sunday was from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, where Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away. And they don't understand it, but he says, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to be sorrowful, but then your sorrow will turn into joy. Your sorrow will turn into joy. This Sunday, we're, we're continuing that theme, and we're going to be looking in the book of Nehemiah, at Nehemiah chapter 7 and 8. And our topic will be, The joy of the Lord is your strength. And maybe you know the story. What happened is the exiles uh, had gone back to Jerusalem after the captivity in Babylon. They had gone back to Jerusalem, and under Nehemiah, they had rebuilt the walls of the city. They were in the process of rebuilding the city, and there were a lot of attacks on them as they sought to do that. But at one point, they got the wall of the city done, and then they had this ceremony where Ezra stands up and he reads the law to the people. And it says the people, as they heard the law, it caused them to weep because they realized that they had fallen short. That you know, the law, it, it cut them to their heart. It showed them that they were flawed people who had fallen short of God's glory, that they had sinned and they were brokenhearted. But then after they were brokenhearted, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah both speak to the people and they say, hey, this is a time for rejoicing. And they tell them why actually the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And it says that the people's mourning turned into rejoicing. And what happens is that when we understand the gospel, that's exactly what happens. When we really understand uh, how far we've fallen short of God's glory, it causes us truly to weep. But when we understand the grace of God and the mercy of God, our uh, weeping turns into joy. And the joy of the Lord becomes our strength as we go forward. 
So let's go to some of our callers. That's what we're doing at our church. We're really excited about it. And um, let's go to some of our callers, though. Let's go to Luke in Firestone, Colorado. Hey, Luke, welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm doing great. I apologize. I uh, was listening to Grace this morning, and one of the pastors talked about Jesus praying for us that we would uh, miss the tribulation. And that's totally paraphrased. I didn't catch the reference. Are you familiar with that passage? Yeah, so there's a couple passages that he's probably talking about. Um, now, I'm not sure what scriptures he was talking about, but I could tell you a couple places where Jesus talks about something like that. And, um, you know, it could be taken, I, I think those there's a couple things that can be taken a couple different ways. So let me, would you like me to just tell you what some of those are? Yes, please. Okay, so I'll start in Gospel of Matthew. Matthew uh, 24, 25, it's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is talking, and there's, you know, there's some discussion, maybe some different opinions about what exactly he's referring to um, as far as who he's speaking to and what he's speaking about. I'll tell you my opinion. Uh, Matthew 24 and 25. He is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about what is going to happen. And he says, uh, you know, all these things are going to happen within this generation. And he talks about how, um, he says, hey, pray that this doesn't happen uh, when you know, on a Sabbath day, pray that this doesn't happen. Um, you know, think about pregnant women, he says, you know, and all these things. What he's talking about is he's talking about there's going to be this destruction that comes upon Jerusalem. Now, there's some question about when that happens. Uh, some people believe that it happened already in AD 70 when the Roman troops came in. And I think actually, particularly Matthew 24 and 25, I think that a lot of what Jesus talks about, and I will say this, a lot of it, but not all of it, um, is referring to what happened in AD 70. The reason I say not all of it is because then he says at the end of all that, he says that Jesus will return. And clearly uh, that has not happened yet. So uh, the other place, though, is in the Gospel of Luke, which is a kind of corresponding text. But he says, you know, that there will be two standing in a field and one will be um, taken and the other will be left behind. And, you know, that's where the famous text, you know, or the famous the, the line from the song you know, the famous Left Behind song from the 70s. And then there was the uh, the movie series. That's where that idea of being left behind comes from. Okay. So those are, the, those are the two main ones that I'm guessing that he's talking about. And then there's a third one that um, is from the Gospel of John, John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's, he's saying, you know, I don't remove them from the world. I want them to be in the world, but I don't want, but they will not be of the world. But that's probably not what he's referring to. That sounds like um, kind of a different topic. So, Thank you. I'll try to look yeah. those up and call back later if I have questions. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Luke. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts, your Bible questions, and your prayer requests. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Let's go to Josh in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Josh, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing? Doing great. Um, I just had a, a prayer request about getting a job. Um, I've, I've been in a dead-end job for the past year, and it's just not cutting it with the bills, you know, getting behind on everything. And, and I just haven't had much luck getting a new job. And I know that, you know, times of silence from God and prayer, you know, are, are supposed to build perseverance but I'm just really getting discouraged, and I can't find anything, and I don't really feel like I'm hearing anything, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Josh. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, I lift up Josh to you, and I, I thank you that in this um, discouragement, Lord, he's turning to you, and he's asking for prayer. That That is uh, very noble and very uh you know, honorable thing to do. And, and Lord, I pray that you would bless him with, with a new job. Lord, we ask that truly you would uh, open up a door for him to get into a different field, something that's going to pay better, something where he can meet his needs um, financially and pay all the bills. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you would give him patience as he waits for that, but also would you give him diligence with seeking after those things. Lord, give him the strength and the um, mental fortitude as well to press on even uh, when things seem to be um, not moving forward or doors may not be opening as quickly as he wants them to. Lord, give him the perseverance to go on while he's patient. Lord, I just think about the Apostle Paul who, who said, uh, I have learned the secret. You know, uh, He says, I have become content. I learned the secret to be content in all things because uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yet Paul the Apostle also he told us that, he said, and yet I work more diligently than anyone else. And so, Lord, help us to find that balance. And I pray that Josh would uh, be empowered by you to do those two things, to be content in the moment and yet diligently seeking for that next thing. So, Lord, I pray that you'd give him the strength for that and open the doors that nobody can shut. And pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. Yeah, you bet, Josh. I hope that works out. Give us a call and let us know. A follow up on that, eh? I will. I really appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. God bless you. You're listening, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. Again, that text line. Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Jennifer in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the program. Jennifer. Maybe we lost Jennifer. Um, but I can tell you what she said. I've got a note here from the producer. It says that Jennifer had a praise report. It looks like God is working in her life. She's reading the word. And she's feeling encouraged even though things are hard. Hey, that is awesome, Jennifer. We would love to hear it when people are studying the Bible and studying God's Word and uh, love to hear the fact that God is working in your life, that you're being encouraged. And so let me pray for you. And uh, we have all open lines after this, so it's a good time to call in. But let's pray for Jennifer. Heavenly Father, we pray for Jennifer and thank you for the good things you're doing in her life. And Lord, we pray that uh, I pray that so many more of our listeners, Lord, would do that, that they would turn to you, they would find encouragement in your word, and that they would be seeking you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have all open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. If you've been looking for a time to call in with that question you have or that prayer request, a thing going on in your life that you're not really sure about, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. In the meantime, let me take the opportunity to invite those of you. I wanted to tell you about our Easter services at Whitefields. If you're in the Longmont, Colorado area, and I'm sorry, Easter, did I just say Easter? I meant to say Christmas Eve. Uh, if you are in the Longmont, Colorado area, and you are looking for a place to go to church on Christmas Eve, uh, we'd love to have you. We have two services, 430 
and 6 p.m. on December 24th. It's 4.30 and 6 p.m. Uh, there in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, 700 Longs Peak Avenue, right in downtown Longmont. And uh, we will be having kind of a shorter service, but doing some pretty cool things. We were talking about service and planning it today. A couple things that are that are different, some readings, and uh, we'll be doing, uh, we have two choirs, and we have, um, you know, be presenting the gospel message clearly. It's going to be uh, great, and we'd love to have you. So 4.30 and 6 p.m. And just, even if you're not coming to our church, let me tell you this. I read I read the statistic, and I've read it every couple of years, and I always hear it in a little bit different numbers, you know, um, but I think the point of the statistic is the same, no matter um, no matter what the exact number is. And that is that all the statistics show that there, there are kind of two days a year when people who don't regularly go to church say that they would be open to going to church, but most of them aren't just going to walk through the doors of a church on their own. Some will, and that's great. And I commend anybody who's got that kind of courage to do that. And I, I hope that all of you do listening. Maybe you're listening right now and you're not a person who has been to church in a while. Um, I would just encourage you, hey, you know, people, you walk in those doors, people are going to be so glad that you're there and you're going to hear the word of the Lord and it's going to be encouraging. So do that. But a lot of people, um, they're kind of waiting for somebody to invite them. And, you know, a lot of people aren't sure, you know, what is a good church. So if you have a good church, uh, definitely encourage someone to come with you because statistics show that Christmas Eve and Easter, but particularly Christmas Eve, it's just something about our culture. It's a time of the year when everybody participates. It's definitely pointing to Jesus. And, um, you know, a lot of people in our culture say, hey, you know, if there was a Christmas Eve service, I would be willing to go. So if you are um, out there and you're listening to this, I would just encourage you this. Pray about that. Who is that one person or those two people who you can invite to go with you to church this Christmas Eve? Because it's a really high number. So I heard something like 90%. 90% of people who don't regularly go to church, if they were invited by a friend or family member to go to church on Christmas Eve, said they would. So it's just like shooting fish in a barrel. Right? It's almost like cheating. Right? Like This is the one, this is the one time when it's almost so easy that, um, you know, you don't got to be worried that they're going to say no. I mean, if they do, one in ten chance, it's pretty pretty well worth it. Um, just go for it. Invite somebody to join you on Christmas Eve, and uh, and maybe that'll be the turning point in their life, and, and you get to be a part of that. But if you're in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you on Christmas Eve at Whitefields at 4.30 and 6 p.m. You can find more information on our website and our social media, whitefieldschurch.com, or look us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Let's go to Deanne in Littleton, Colorado. Hi, Deanne. Hi. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? Oh, okay. Good. What's um, up? I just need prayer for my son. He was uh, convicted of a crime that he didn't commit, mm-hmm. and um, there was no evidence. And so we're just really praying in trying to know what God's will is in this and and just yeah. waiting on God. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray for your son. Heavenly Father, I pray for Deanne. I pray for her son. Lord, Just um, I know that your heart, God, goes out to those who are victims of injustice. And, um, and Lord, we pray that justice would be done in the case of her son. Uh, we pray that um, the truth would come to the surface. And, uh, and Lord, truly in this case, literally, Lord, that if, if it's your will, that the truth would come out and the truth would set him free. So um, we pray, Lord, for her son. Be with him as he's going through this. Um, Lord, you know all the details of what happened, but 
We know that you don't delight in injustice. So, Lord, we ask for justice in this situation. We pray for the truth to come to the surface and for justice to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless you, Deanne. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us, 720-336-0897. Again, the text line, 720-336-0897. We have two open lines. It's a good time to call in. Uh, let's go to our one caller right now, Wayne in Colorado Springs. Hey, Wayne, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had yeah. a question. Uh, I've only actually studied Revelations once, and uh, my uh, grandchildren asked me, and I don't remember reading anywhere, but after the coming of Jesus Christ uh, and God lets his uh, uh I was trying to think of the word. Uh, the devastation happened on earth. Mm-hmm. Will any of those people, if they confess, be let into heaven, or are they uh, just going to stay on the earth? Yeah, so the um, the answer to that is this. the If what you're referring to, and I think it is, let me just give you the, the terminology that uh, that we would use for that. What you're referring to is, I assume, you're talking about the tribulation, uh, yes. and the what, what's called the rapture. So that yes. would be separate from the second coming of Christ, right? So there's a, so it's called um, dispensationalism. Dispensationalists believe that Jesus will come, he will rapture the church, and then there will be a tribulation that lasts for seven years. And then at the end of that, then Christ will return. So in that model, it, which seems to be what you're asking, what, the belief is this, and I think I think it's accurate. It says this that um, there will be a rapture, people left on earth, and those people who are left on earth during that time of tribulation. The answer to your question is yes, they would have a chance to respond to the gospel, and a chance to kind of, it would be like the last final wake up call. But they are going to have to go through that time of great difficulty. And, and actually, period. the Bible, okay. yeah, and actually, the Bible seems to be saying it. If we, if that's how we should read Revelation, it seems to be saying that uh, there will be very many people who will indeed turn to Christ during that time. Oh yes, I would think most definitely. All yeah. right, I appreciate your help. Yeah, absolutely, Wayne. Thanks for the call. Thank you, sir. Bye. Right, bye, bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We have two open lines right now. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, let's go over to our text line. We're going to go to our break in just a couple minutes here. But let's go over to our text line. Someone says, hi, this is Mark. Can you please explain to me where Elijah and Enoch translated to? Since Jesus said no one has ascended to heaven except he who descended, speaking about himself. Thank you. Yeah, so here's uh, here's what I would say to that, Mark. I, it's kind of a long discussion, about I'll try and make it short and simple. I believe that before Jesus came back and set free those uh, who were captives in Hades, 
that basically where they would have gone is a place called Abraham's bosom. That's what it's called in the Bible. And Abraham's bosom is kind of like a holding tank, I guess you could say, or a holding room, waiting room for those who died in faith. And so uh, now I'll give you a little bit more detail. So that's the answer. I think they went to Abraham's bosom. But here's the answer to that is that you can get some insight into this by looking at like Luke chapter 16. There's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And what happens is they both die and they both go to this place called Hades. So Hades or Sheol, I'm sorry, they go to a place called Sheol. Sorry, they go to a place called Sheol. Sheol in the Jewish thinking, what that word means, it's the dwelling place of the dead. And so like, for example, David says that in his psalm where he says, you know, even if I descend into Sheol, you are there. And people are like, wait a second, is he talking about hell? Does that mean that God is in hell? How does that work? And no, that's not what it's saying. Uh, it's saying that God is in Sheol. So Sheol is the dwelling place of the dead. It's kind of a, a general term that the Jewish people use to talk about the, the dwelling place of the dead. But what we learn in Luke chapter 16 is that Sheol was divided into two sections. And the one section was called Abraham's bosom. That was for those who died in faith, um, meaning trusting in God that he would save them and kind of availing themselves to God in faith, kind of like Abraham, right? These are Old Testament saints. And then um, you also have another section there in Sheol, which is divided. So Sheol is divided into two parts. One is Abraham's bosom. The other is Hades, which is a place of torment, it says there in Luke um, Luke chapter 16. And so both of these are within the realm of Sheol. You know, they're kind of areas within Sheol. Abraham's bosom where the faith, the, those who die in faith go to wait for their salvation when the Messiah would come and, you know, make a way for them to be saved. And then the Hades uh, was also a holding place, which would, which is where they waited until the day of judgment. And so what it says in the New Testament, two places in Ephesians chapter 4 and in 1 Peter, I can't remember the exact reference, but in 1 Peter and Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus descended into, well, actually in Romans chapter 10 as well, Jesus descended into uh, Sheol and he set the captives free and he led them in his train. So the picture that we get here is that Jesus, during that time, those three days when after he had died, before his resurrection, he went and descended into um, Sheol and he set the captives free. And so those people who were in that waiting area, now that Jesus had earned their salvation uh, and he took them up to be in the presence of God, those who are in Hades continue to stay there. And, uh, and it's, let's say, if someone dies today, where do they go? Well, that's where they go. And Revelation tells us, uh, you know, if someone dies apart from faith in Christ, then that's where they go. And Revelation, the end of Revelation says that at the end of all things, what happens is that there's a new heavens and a new earth. So that is the fulfillment of heaven, and that's the way we think of it. And then there's also that Hades is emptied into the lake of fire. So that holding area, Hades, is then emptied into the lake of fire. So um, I hope that makes sense. I see that um, we got a call. Oh, we got a call from Katie asking about this very thing I'm talking about. So uh, let's just take that call right now. Let's go to Katie and Greeley. Hey, Katie. Yeah. I see that you have a question about what I'm talking about. So I took your call yeah. right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was on the Apostles' Creed. I believe it's the Apostles' Creed where it says he died and 
and was buried and descended into hell in the third day. You know, do were they mean in Sheol? Yes, Sheol that's what as it means. opposed to hell? Correct. Well, Sheol could be thought of as hell. Yeah, it should be it should be rather considered that he descended into Sheol, right? Um so, you know, as to where he descended, it's I would say that it would be more accurate to say he descended into Sheol and then into Hades, right? So hell, um, you know, we have to define what exactly we mean by the word hell. Do we mean Hades or do we mean Sheol? My opinion is that it should be understood as Sheol. I have to let you go because we're going to uh, break right now, but thank you for the call. Hey, we're going to break. We'll be back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your uh maybe things going on in your life that you'd like to talk about, or if you have prayer requests, we'd love to pray for you, talk with you, and answer those questions. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. We have two open lines right now, so it's a great time to call in if you have that prayer request or that uh, question that you've been wanting to get answered. Again, the number 303 690 3000 we'd love to hear from you let's go to our caller what is his name from new jersey mike in new jersey hi mike welcome to the program good evening thanks for taking my call god bless you yeah yeah well um i was calling the only reason i called was because someone had just called in he had asked you what a lutheran was because he had attended a lutheran church and um i was looking to hear the answer too um could you um, break down what it, what makes a Lutheran different from an Episcopalian and from like maybe a mainstream Christian or what they call non-denomination or whatever? Yeah, so I mean these are historical differences. Some of them are theological, meaning like what they believe. So I, you know, some of our listeners might know. And if you're listening, Mike, just a reminder that uh, you guys listening on the East Coast are hearing the show on a one-week delay. So you're calling me live right now and it's going to air where you're at in one week from today. Um, so you know, I'm not exactly sure. I, I didn't host the show last Monday, so I'm guessing um, there's a little bit of delay here. But I'll, I'll give you my answer. You know, some of our listeners may know because of my story that I've shared a couple times that I grew up Lutheran. I'm very familiar with uh, Lutheranism, and I actually have, you know, uh, an affinity for, for Lutheranism. I think it's um, a general, you know, I grew up Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Not all the Lutheran groups are exactly the same, but I think that the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod was a was a good uh, place to grow up, and I learned a lot of great things um, from them. So, uh, what makes a Lutheran a Lutheran? Now, their denomination goes back to the Protestant Reformation, Lutheran denomination, and the teachings of Martin Luther. And so, Martin Luther wrote uh, a lot. Like, if Martin Luther was around today, he would be a prolific blogger, because he basically wrote down every single thought that he had. And so many of uh, Lutherans, you know, they, they kind of follow the teachings of Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, you know, a lot of 
what we generally consider to be general Protestant doctrine can be traced back to Martin Luther himself. Uh, he was a brilliant person, very smart. And, um, and you know, there's a book written about Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas, and it, it called him the man who rediscovered the gospel. Now, I think that might be a little bit much, right? Like a little bit of hyperbole to put it that strongly. But, I mean, that's that's almost how how influential and important that man was and how much God used him. Um, because, the, you know, the, the Roman Catholic Church at the time had gotten so far away from the teachings of the Bible. They had taken the Bible out of the hands of the people. Martin Luther believed that we should put the Bible back in people's hands. He translated the Bible into German, which at the time it was only available in Latin in the Western world. And so he translated the Bible into the common language of the people and started started printing it and giving it to people and making it available to people and then showing them that this is what the Bible says about Jesus and about how you are saved. Particularly, it was about how you are saved. That's, that's what the Reformation was all about. And there were five tenets of the Reformation, you know, and they, they're called the solas, which means in Latin, only, right? And so they say, Scripture alone is, is the arbiter of our faith. Um, you know, faith, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, meaning not by our works. And then everything that God does in our lives and everything that we do must be for the glory of God alone, not for the glory of man. So those were the, the five big tenets of the Reformation and Lutheranism. And so Lutherans uh, generally look back to Martin Luther and his teachings, and it's a, it's a Reformation church. Um, now, the Episcopalian church, on the other hand, is the name for the American branch of the Anglican church. But when the United States split off from England, you know, at the Revolutionary War, they no longer wanted to so they distanced themselves from the Anglican Church, and yet they still look to the head of the Anglican Church, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, still is the Archbishop of Canterbury. And so um, they're basically, I guess I put it this way, that the Episcopalian Church until very recently has been the Anglican Church in the United States. Now that there uh, recently was a split in the Anglican Church over the issue of ordaining homosexual, uh, practicing homosexuals. And as a result of that, <coughs> there's a, <coughs> excuse me, there's a new denomination that's kind of come about called North American Anglican Church, and that is in Canada and in the United States. And there have been more and more churches uh, that are, that were Episcopalian that have switched over to either that North American uh, Anglican Church or to the, Af there's an African diocese that a lot of churches in um, North America and U.S. and Canada have switched over to. But the Episcopalian Church, um, now as far as how those churches are structured, so that's another thing about a lot of these different denominations, um, their names also tell us about how they're structured. So the Anglican Church is structured very much kind of like the Catholic Church is, right? They have bishops, they have a head bishop, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and, um, and the Lutheran Church, on the other hand, has a different structure. It is um, almost similar to a, a Presbyterian church model. Presbyterian meaning that they have presbyters, which means elders, as opposed to bishops. That's the big difference is how is the church governed. And then they're going to have different, um, different, what do you call it? They're going to have <clears throat> different, um, different doctrinal beliefs. So, so for example, um, the Lutheran church believes in something called consubstantiation, which is uh, means that they believe in the real presence of Jesus in 
the Lord's Supper that it's not just a it's not just a symbolic act, but there actually is the real presence of Jesus in there. Um, that's also uh, believed by some Anglicans as well. So uh, Episcopalians uh, tend to be, they'll, they'll have more diversity in what they believe. Um, so anyway, I, does that answer some of your questions? Uh, yeah, I think that was uh, a lot more thorough. Okay. Uh, as far as what non-denominational Christians believe, well, um, for the most part, they are going to be evangelicals, but you know, not not everybody who calls themselves non-denominational believes exactly the same things. I mean, all that that means is that they are an independent church that doesn't belong to one of the major denominations. Now, there are some non-denominational denominations. You know what I mean? Like uh, they're they're kind of smaller denominations that are more like evangelical. So evangelicals in general believe these kind of things. They believe that the Bible's true. And that it's very important that we share the gospel. That's where the word evangelical comes from. It means uh, gospel. It's just the Greek word for gospel. So, so for example, Calvary Chapel is a is not a denomination, but it's an association of non-denominational churches. Um, but again, like you can also find non-denominational churches uh, that believe things that Calvary Chapel doesn't believe. So it's not like all den all non-denominational churches are going to be the same. So. Cool. Well, Mike, if that answers your question, then I'll, I'm happy. And if you have any further questions, I'd love to answer them for you. Okay, it looks like I lost you, Mike, so I'm going to let you go. Thanks for uh, calling in. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Andrea on line two in Aurora, Colorado. Hi. Uh, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Doing very well. What's up? All right. So I have a question about explaining the Trinity to children. I, I homeschool, and so I'm reading, and my girls are only five and six. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm reading John 1. You know, we started to just read the Bible straight instead of just the little kids' stories. Sure. And so we started reading John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. So I'm sitting there explaining to them, so Jesus was God, and he was also with God, and then everything was created through him, and so they're going, whoa, how is he with God, and he was God at the same time, and then, you know, we're also talking about Christmas, I teach a co-op class, and we're talking about Christmas, and how Jesus was there before the creation of the world, and I had another kid asking, well, how was Jesus there, be you know, how was Jesus alive before he was born, you know, so we talked about how he was in spirit, but just, do you maybe have a more thorough way, I don't know, I just, I just want to make sure I'm explaining it as best as I can, and, and I just, I'm of the belief, I don't believe, like, that you just go, oh, oh, sorry, children, that's too complicated for you right now. I like to just, I mean, even with my girls, I, I'll sit and explain stuff, I feel like they can, I feel like they can comprehend more than we think they can. Yeah. But... Absolutely. Maybe just knowing how to best explain that. 
Yeah, so Andrea, I think the thing that I would um I would encourage you about is this. I would say you're absolutely right. I think our kids are smarter than we give them credit for. And the other thing is that I think sometimes and there have been many uh attempts for people to do this, right? To come up with analogies. And there's a really great video and I just recommend it for any of our listeners. I think it's it's very funny. It's uh it's called Bad Bad Trinity Analogies. If you just type that in in YouTube, it'll come right up. It's about like these two uh, Irish people talking to uh, St. Patrick and, you know, asking Patrick to explain the Trinity to them. And he gives them all these analogies and they shoot them all down and show them why they're actually all heretical, right? They all are actually forms of different heresies that existed throughout the centuries in early Christianity, kind of like modalism or partialism. And they actually explain what those heresies are. So I just say that to say this, like, number one, that's a really funny video and everybody should watch it. But number two, I don't think that you should try to give them an analogy that is actually um, incorrect. I mean, it can be helpful. And maybe if you're going to give them those analogies, kind of help them to understand that that those analogies are incomplete, right? They're they're and they're they're sometimes not the full picture because God is something so other, so different, and that's why they have a hard time understanding Him, and and rightly so, because He is something that is not of this world and something with which we have not encountered any anywhere in this world, and so. You know, th so there's, of course, these classic ones, right? Like there's like that, you know, air can be, or sorry, uh, water can be vapor, solid, and liquid. And in the same way, God can be, you know, God is one, but he is also three. And now, again, the problem with that is that uh, that's a form of modalism, meaning modes of God, meaning like, okay, water is only liquid. When it's liquid, it's only liquid. It's not also vapor and solid. So that's where that falls short. You know, there's like the one of the egg, right? That an egg has three parts and yet it's one. That's called, that's, that's also problematic because it's called partialism. You're saying that, you know, Jesus is one part of God, but not all God. And and then you have the even some historical ones like you know there were some early Christian theologians that said it's kind of like uh, the sun right that the sun is an object and yet it gives heat and it also gives light um, and again that that's problematic as well so I think that if you're going to use those analogies make sure that the kids understand yeah it but that's not exactly true so here's how I would do it I would just do exactly what you're doing and take put in the hard time of just walking them through it and saying, okay, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Walk them through the creed. You know, the Nicene Creed was written about the deity of Jesus. And it says, you know, it says that uh, he is fully God, fully man, that he is very God of very God. And that's very important. So Jesus is not uh, less than God. There was no time when Jesus came into being. And yet, he is distinct from God. And the reason that's important is because that is actually what the scriptures teach, right? So a great place to take the kids, you know, if they're up for it, and it sounds like you do not shy away from this. So I would encourage you to do it. Go to Colossians chapter one and look at that. You know, what does it mean that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation? That's a really important phrase. And I just, uh, so I have a website where I write, you know, I write kind of blog posts uh, about culture. And also I, I've been writing a little bit more, answering a lot of this kind of questions that we get here on the show. Uh, a lot of them are theological in nature. So I just wrote a post two 
now three days ago, called If Jesus is God, Why is He Called the Son of God and the Firstborn of All Creation? And, you know, I, I know that you, um, we have full lines right now, and so I, I won't uh, belabor this one, but I will tell you that what Colossians, if you look at Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through, I believe, 18, it gives this kind of rundown. Who is Jesus and what is, how do we understand his deity? And it tells us two things, that Jesus is very God of very God, and yet he is distinct from the Father. And that's the key to understanding the Trinity, that the, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet they are distinct from each other. Now, how does that, what can we compare that to in nature? There is literally nothing we can compare that to, and that's why it's very hard for us to wrap our minds around. But it's not worth uh, giving up, like you said. It, rather, what we should do is let our minds be blown by it, try to understand it, and the fact that you know, as we struggle to comprehend it, let that drive us to be in awe of God who is bigger than us and other than us. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, is there any books you would recommend, and especially about understanding how is Jesus the firstborn overall creation if he is uncreated if he was always god how could he have been born that's yeah. looking... so are you able to listen to the rest of the program here um because if you are i'll explain it to you yeah. but i've got some other oh, callers totally. i want to get to let me let me explain it real quick and then i'll take the other callers because i think if i take those other callers yeah. i won't get back to it so here let me explain to you really quickly this word uh, firstborn is the word prototokos which literally means the first born but it also it doesn't really mean like firstborn in the sense of like chronology so much as it, it's speaking of position so this is a very important point that word prototokos is used four times in the new actually five times in the new testament colossians 115 118 then in romans 8 hebrews 1 and revelation chapter 1 and in every case where the word is used it is referring to jesus's rank and his supremacy so in other words you know and and you got to understand ancient cultures, they had something called primogeniture. And primogeniture just means this, that the firstborn son not only inherits the father's wealth, but he also gets, uh, from a legal standpoint, the firstborn son is equal to the father. From a legal standpoint, the firstborn son is equal to the father, and yet distinct from the father. And that is the whole key right there. That word firstborn is so important because it tells us that Jesus is God, and yet he is distinct from the Father. Okay, and so here's the, here's the thing to understand, uh, is that the Jewish people even referred to, in some of their rabbinical writings, they referred to God, or God the Father, as the firstborn of the world. And they, they by no means thought that God had been born at any time. When they said firstborn, it was referring to rank, preeminence. It was referring to, you know, being the most important and the one with the highest status. Um, when we think of those things. And the reason we know that it's saying that Jesus is indeed God is because if you go on, verse 16 and 17 of Colossians chapter 1 say this, that by him all things were created in heaven and earth, everything visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things. And it's making it, it's going like way above and beyond to make sure that we understand there is literally nothing that was created, that, that was not created by him which means that he himself is the uncreated creator. Just as the Father is, they are both, right? The Father is God, the Son is God, 
The Spirit is God. They are distinct from one another, and yet they are all God. So, um, so that's that's my answer to that that uh, firstborn part, which I think is is very important for us to understand. If you want more information, really do check out my blog. It's nickkady.org. So n i c k c a d y dot o r g, and uh, and just scroll down. It's the second post on there. It's called "If Jesus is God, Why Is He Called the First uh, Firstborn Over All Creation." Andrea, I'm going to let you go. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. We have 10 minutes left in the show, and I want to get to these next couple callers. So let's go to Rini in Minnesota. Hi, Rini. Welcome to the program. Uh, What's up? Oh, I I had called in. I I was talking with someone about medical marijuana, and I want to know we had kind of a, I mean, we really got, into this conversation about it and it would this be against god's will that we would ever use miracle the medical marijuana so rini i think that um let's put it this way if you would ever use medical morphine um would you ever use medical morphine um i i would my daughter was uh put into a morphine coma when she was an infant because she had some major medical issues um, was that a sin? No. But if I would use morphine uh, recreationally, I think that that would actually be a sin, and I could explain to you why. But if it's a matter of using medicine, um, then I don't think so. You know, the really difficult thing with marijuana, and of course here I am in Colorado where this is, uh, we've been kind of on the cutting edge of it as a society for quite a while, Um you know, the the deal with marijuana is that you really do need to differentiate between medical use and recreational use, and they do differentiate that by law in most of the United States. And uh, I think the really difficult part is that it's only recently that the that the FDA has been involved. You know, that's always been kind of my thought is that hey, if this is indeed medicine, which which you know I don't doubt that it can be medicine, just like morphine and and different forms of other things that uh, you know people sometimes use as recreational drugs uh, can also be medicinal, um, then why isn't it regulated the way that we regulate other medicines? But recently that has changed. And now uh, I know that just recently they released the first FDA approved uh, marijuana based um, drugs for, for medicinal use. And so I think that's a good turn, you know, for it takes it, it makes it less of a, you know, um, you know, gray business as it was uh, for the last couple of years. Um, so personally, I don't think that it is. Um, I would not say categorically that marijuana, that medical marijuana use is um, wrong. I would say that uh, when we're talking about recreational use and that the goal is to change your state of consciousness um, and no longer be in control and it's, it has nothing to do with treating a condition, uh, then I would say that, yeah, I think that falls in the category of intoxication and drunkenness. But when we're talking about medicine, you know, again, it's the same category. Would you use morphine? Well, not recreationally, but there are cases in which it can be used medicinally and be very helpful. And I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I just I just wanted to he- get someone else's opinion on it. Okay. Well, thank you for calling in. Rini, let me ask you a question. How do you uh, listen to our program? I see you're in Minnesota. Do you listen online? 
I have a sister that lives in Colorado, and she gives me, so then I, I go on my tablet and, and I can listen to it. Awesome. Hey, we love hearing that people are listening to the show all over the country. So God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. And, and on that same note, I just got a text message. Uh, let me read this text message to you before we go to our, our next caller. And it's this that um, someone says, Pastor Nick, even though there are no churches in Saudi Arabia, I am so grateful for Version Bible app and for Grace FM sermons that are helping me better understand God's word. I feel that I've grown in faith through constant study. Please, please pray for me to um, keep steadfast in the word and be filled with the Holy Spirit, especially when I'm thousands of miles away from home. Hey, how cool is that? So first we get a call from Minnesota, and now we're getting a text message from Saudi Arabia. So let's pray for this person. Uh, didn't give their name, but God knows who they are. Heavenly Father, we pray for our brother or sister in Saudi Arabia listening to Grace FM. Lord, would you strengthen them? Thank you that there are these technological advancements that make it possible for this person to grow in your word and grow in the knowledge of you. Lord, bless them, strengthen them, use them for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to our last caller, Dalton in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Dalton. Welcome to the program. Dalton, did we lose you? Oh, no, hello. Oh, there you are. I was about to oh, let you go. Okay, <laughs> so what's up? Uh, I had a question. I'm doing a study on uh, revelations in um, the YouVersion Bible app, and one of the things that he said uh, or talked about was the seven letters um, that God writes out to the seven churches is kind of a representation of the uh, church history. And I was just kind of wondering your, your take on that and if you could go a little bit more in depth in it, uh, if you have time or anything like that. Yeah, we, we have only a few um, minutes left uh, in the show, but I can uh, talk to you about it for a few minutes. So, yeah, that is definitely one of the interpretations of what the seven letters to the seven churches are. So some people have asked, you know, are these, were these seven actual churches? Another way of looking at it is that they each speak of different ages of the church. Um, another way of looking at it is that they, they just refer to seven different kinds of churches that exist or seven different kind of spiritual conditions that exist in individuals and in churches in general. I think that um, you can make a case, especially for those fir the, the first one and the last one there, that these represent different uh, kinds of spiritual states and churches. And I do believe that they were literal churches. But I think that, you know, the, the, the case that these are speaking to different ages of the church, I, I guess I don't have a problem with that uh, interpretation. I think that... Um, you know, one of the rules that we follow when interpreting the scriptures, right, is that we want to interpret them first and foremost as they were meant to be understood at the time they were written. But we don't stop there because there are many examples in the Bible of times like especially in the New Testament where they would look back at the Old Testament and they would interpret it in a way that the original readers would not have been able to interpret it or would not have interpreted it. You see what I'm saying? But that doesn't change the fact that it also spoke to the first readers and that that's the primary interpretation. Let me give you one example of that. Galatians chapter 4. So Galatians chapter 4 talks about um, 
it talks about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, right? And you know the thing that Abraham had a child with his servant Hagar. He shouldn't have had. It was wrong. It was uh, the wrong thing for him to do. Uh, but he did it anyway. And But yet Abraham and Sarah had a child. That child was a child of promise. That's the story. That's the primary interpretation, right? There are several, several applications from that, right? That we shouldn't uh, do things in our own strength and get it, you know, just get way ahead of God on things. We shouldn't, you know, ask God to just bless our mess and all these things. And uh, so there's plenty of applications. But then Paul comes with an allegorical application in uh, Galatians 4 where he says these represent two mountains. It represents the law and the and grace. Two covenants are bound up in this. And so he makes this application that um, that the original readers would have never made. It would have never been obvious to them. But in light of the cross and in light of history, now we look at that and we say, okay, yeah, I get that. But it doesn't take away from the first application or the first interpretation, which was the more literal, straightforward interpretation. So in the same way, and I realize I'm, uh, I've got 60 seconds left in the show, so I'll just wrap it up like that. In the same way, our primary interpretation of Revelation 2 and 3, when it talks about the seven churches, is the straightforward, obvious one, which is that these are seven churches, or at least seven types of churches um, that can exist. Now, does that mean it can't be historical ages of the church? Um, no, it, it, maybe it is. Maybe we look at it now in retrospect throughout history and we say, oh, that represents seven ages in the church that we can see, including our own. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. Thank you for calling in. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. God bless you. I'll be with you again next Monday. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.